0: Welcome to Sportsish with Alisa Hernandez. It's all me this week, just my voice coming through your speakers. Sportsish is a combination of me interviewing athletes and me sharing my own experiences while working in the sports industry. So, given the news that just dropped not too long ago, it works out that this is my first story for you guys. Now, in case you didn't hear, the NCAA adopted the policy allowing college athletes to profit from name, image, likeness. The NIL era is officially here. It's so <laughs> interesting for me because um, I've seen the way that athletes I knew of college could have benefited from this, um, could have set themselves up while, you know, like their fame was high in college and could have set them up when once they got hurt and, and left. I think one of the biggest things that people fail to see is what happens when a player gets hurt you know it's like um, they get hurt and from the fan perspective it's like oh he just got hurt and oh whatever happened to that guy well that guy probably lost a scholarship that guy probably had a family that couldn't afford um, an expensive tuition and once the school got no profit out of them they didn't help them and they ended up having to drop out probably so you know, I've seen both sides of that spectrum. I've seen guys fall into the system, even though they got hurt and and come out great on the other side. And I've seen guys that gotten hurt, um, try to come back, got hurt again. And then next thing you know, they're not on the team next year. So I, I for one, I'm happy that this is finally happens. I think it's, uh, it's been a long time coming. And for me, um, yo, like when I started my career, Um, I went to USC, fight on Trojans forever. But I went to USC and I came in as a transfer student. Now, I was hella excited. You know, I'm excited to cover football games, national title, bowl games. Like, I was excited to just get to SC and hit the ground running. And boom, the sanctions, the death penalty came down on USC from the NCAA. Now, I had yet to cover a USC football season season because I was transferring in, and so I came in as a spring admit in 2010. So I was waiting to get that opportunity to cover this team, and then all this happened. Now, if you don't remember, the sanctions for the football team included postseason bans for two years, scholarship losses for three years, vacating old games, including the BCS championship game, and completely disassociating with Reggie Bush. Now, we all know that Reggie Bush returned his Heisman Trophy, and USC uh, head coach Pete Carroll left, right before um, the sanctions were announced. And I remember reading it and I was sick. Like, I haven't felt that, like, pit in my stomach since, like, New Year's Day 2006. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not even going to go down that route because then this episode is going to turn into a big old rant about USC and Texas. And the people that know me, people that really know me, (laughs) know how worked up I get about that. And um, I'm trying to stay in this like good vibes, but uh, moving on with this story, it was really hard coming into that situation because basically the whole Reggie Bush disassociation was so weird because I'm coming into school and we're told, we're being basically told like we can't use his name unless it's relevant to the story, aka him returning as Heisman. We can't use his logo. We can't use his number. Like we basically just have to act like he didn't exist. Now this is the greatest college football player to ever grace the field, in my opinion. And my opinion is right, but... um, And we had to act like he never represented USC. We had to act like that Fresno State game where he had over 500 all-purpose yards. just wasn't real because he he didn't go to USC. His number was unretired from the Coliseum Steps. And we basically just had to act like Reggie Bush never existed. And that was hard for me because I was a big USC fan. And that was the reason that I wanted to go there. I mean, the highlight of, of that era... Um, when I was growing up was everything and being a sports fanatic, wanting to be a sports reporter, wanting to interview players, like that's where I want to be. You know, I want to be with all the action is happening. And I come in and these players are, are mad, you know, they're frustrated and I can't blame them because they're coming in, being recruited. And then it's like everything changed. Your coach is gone. The people who recruited you are gone. And now you're being put in this situation with a brand new coach uh, brand new system. And that's a lot for athletes to just kind of go into. Now, it is always said, at least from what I know, talking to athletes, you never really go somewhere for a coach, especially when you're picking a college, because you have to understand that they could easily not be there. And it's the same thing with the pros. And on top of all that, you have to look at it this way. These players are being sanctioned for consequences, regarding a situation that has nothing to do with them. Most of them were finishing middle school or or maybe going into middle school and all this happened. So they're coming into the situation, have no control. They just have to deal with it. They got recruited from people that aren't even there anymore. And now they just have to follow what's put in front of them, which was Lane Kiffin, Coach O, Steve Sarkeesian, and now Clay Hilton. Now Kiffin leaving wasn't pretty. Coach O taking over was the dream... Steve Sarkeesian leaving wasn't pretty and now you have Clay Hilton so it wasn't even easy transitions you know (laughs) covering a team who's frustrated uh was very hard to do you know because I'm coming in I'm a freshman or sophomore at the time and I'm trying to talk to these players and a lot of them are just frustrated with the situation, you know, but they're also trying to protect their brand. Now, branding wasn't as big of a thing back then because you couldn't really make profit out of it like that, but they had to still protect the way because you can't have these players talking bad about their coaches because guess what? Coaches in the NFL, they follow that stuff and they see what you've been saying. And now it's just written on Twitter, but before more than likely it was recorded or put on video, which honestly to me makes it worse. But when I got there... I had to make the best of it. And, you know, penalties aside, I think the biggest thing that I learned from that was seeing players overcome adversity, adversity in, in that way. And I, um, I overcame my own adversity. You know what I mean? So I, I had to make the best of it and I had to make sure that I understood these players on a level that. I wasn't trying to set them up to fail. And I think that's a lot of the reasons that players don't touch media or or trust media today because it's like, I don't want you to misconstrue my words. I don't want you to think that I'm saying something I'm not. And I don't want you to use my message for your benefit. You know, and I think that's why things like Player Tribune and, and, um, Just players launching their own YouTube channels and vlogs and stuff. I think that's why they're kind of going that route. And I can't blame them, which is why for me, Sportsish was the way for these athletes to come on and kind of speak their truth and tell their truth and and things like that. So when I started at USC, I covered all sports, basketball, soccer, water polo. Uh, We were... Repeating champions in water polo. And through that, I was able to network and I actually met some Pac 12 reps and ended up working as a freelancer for them my senior year. So, networking is always a really big thing. And Josh Butler from last week's episode really touched on that and the importance of that. And it's true. I mean, he says Spartans take care of each other, but the USC uh, family mafia is, is real too. And so, uh, most of my jobs I've gotten based off connections, based off, hey, I know an alumni who works here. Hey, this alumni. Uh, referred you to me Um, and I think that's one of the biggest things that we need to focus on because USC is in downtown Los Angeles all right down the street is Staples Center uh, not too far is StubHub Center and then we have the Coliseum at the time we didn't have any football teams but now we have two football teams uh, professionally so you know it's uh, I was in like the Holy Mecca aside from New York I mean that's what I consider like the goal you know to be in LA where there's two of everything and being a 5'1", um, smart mouth, Latina, I had to learn to kind of humble myself a bit with my temper and my my mouth, but uh, I will say that I, I was constantly getting humbled. For the record, before I start this story, this is my first time telling it to people because honestly, it's not my brightest moment, but it's, it's something that taught me a really valuable lesson in my career. So my senior year, Magic Johnson bought the Sparks and I got assigned the story and I was super hyped because obviously it's Magic, it's Lisa Leslie, it's downtown LA and I'm like, yes, I get to go cover a sports story. So I I go out, I do the press conference, I get shots of Magic holding the jerseys and shaking hands and all that stuff. After everything's done, I see Lisa Leslie. So I'm getting the nerve to ask her for an interview, right? And so I finally do it. I go up to her and I say, excuse me, You know, Lisa Leslie. I'm Alisa. I'm a student at USC. Now, I cannot stress enough how important it is to all my people out there that are students listening to this podcast. Milk that as much as you can. I cannot stress that enough because realistically, as professionals, we're willing to help all students. You know, people are willing to help you out and and get you internships or or just talk to you about your job and things like that. It's me. I'm people like I'm willing to help you. But once you're out of that student range, uh, you competition. And I'm not about to give you all this true game for nothing. I'm not about to just hook you up so you get the job that I want to get. Like, that's not how that's not how it is. But when you're a student, you're so far from that in my mind that by the time you graduate, by the time you're ready, you know, I'm either going to be moved on or I'm going to be so secure in my job. You're not coming for mine. But not to say that I was coming for Lisa Leslie because real real talk, she's 6'5", I'm 5'1". I am one. i do not even need to go into that. But I'm saying that in the sense of people will talk to you, people will give you opportunities to kind of grow. So with that being said, everyone else... Lisa Leslie went to USC. I'm a USC student. So I think that's one of the reasons she agreed to do the interview with me. So I was so excited. You know, I'm I'm all nervous. I set up my camera. I put my headphones on. I'm, I'm getting ready to talk to her. So we have a dope talk. We talk for about five minutes, which is not normal when you're a student in a scrum with Channel 7, Channel 9, ESPN, like all these different people covering this event to get five minutes uninterrupted with Lisa Leslie so I was super hyped like I'm excited I'm on top of the world so we finish up I tell her thank you and the rule is you have to always have to check your tape right so she starts walking away I go in I click my camera and there is nothing there (laughs) nada because I forgot to hit record I know it's a red button. It flashes. It's right in your face. And the whole time she was talking, I was so focused on her that I not once looked down at the camera to see if I was recording. So my heart drops. I'm freaking out. And then I realize I don't have time to freak out because she's walking away from me. And once she's gone, she's gone. So I had to humble myself and just go ask her. For another interview <laughs> two seconds after i just got done talking to her so i walk up to her and she's talking to someone and you know she's like oh do you need anything and i was like you know i was like lisa leslie I, i'm really sorry I, I forgot to hit record and she just kind of stared at me in this like are you serious right now but <laughs> she was really nice to me again i then because i was a student and i'm just like this doe eye kid which realistically I'm not a kid but I'm in my 20s but at that time in media you're you're basically a baby so she agreed and I was shocked that she agreed and she said you know I won't be able to do the whole thing again but if you ask me the questions you need like we can do those again and I was like oh my gosh like thank you so much like I appreciate your time she's like yeah like come on let's do this and I was like okay cool so I set up and Literally, in those 30 seconds that I'm setting up, I'm thinking in my head, like, all right, I got to take out like 60% of the questions I asked you. Because the thing with interviewing is that you kind of set up these questions at the beginning because you want to get the person comfortable talking to you. And the good stuff really does come at the end. You know, some of the best sound bites that I get from people are literally as they're about to be done with the interview. And I started cutting off and I was like, all right, what am I going to ask her? I'm like, okay, I'm going to ask her what it means to have Magic Johnson. by the Sparks, what does this mean for the WNBA, her role in it, will she help with the process, and kind of just where she sees the team for next season. Cool. Those are my. Those are the only questions I need to ask. Everything else is just fluff. So take a quick listen to part of her answer from round two of that interview. For all that we've worked hard for in championships, we would have really lost a lot of our legacy if our team had moved. So we're extremely happy to have the Sparks staying in LA. So. You're welcome. What happened? You weren't recording the first time? I don't know what happened. Bruh. I know y'all heard her say that at the end. (laughs) So we do the interview again. She was great. She was amazing. I made sure I hit record. And uh, when we're done, she (laughs) looked at me and she's like, did you get that? Did you record it? And she like smiled. And I was like, of course. And then I was like, hold on real quick. And so (laughs) I stopped it and I checked and I checked out. Everything was fine. So I let her know like, yeah, it's in there. And she's like, okay, great. And she says, you know, you have to be ready next time. Because I was able to give you a second chance, but not everybody is going to do that. So just make sure that the first time you get it right. And I said, of course, thank you so much again. I appreciate your time. She's like, okay, like, you know, great. And I was like, you know, fight on, which is so corny (laughs) when I think about it now. And, you know, she smiled. She was amazing. But she really did put a lesson in me that day because I realized you do only get one shot you know, and and she was nice enough to do it. But if I was just a regular reporter and I didn't have like a real relationship established with her, she could have easily been like, yeah, I have to go. I I, I don't have time. Sorry. Like, I'm sorry you didn't. I'm sorry you weren't prepared. I was. I gave you what you needed. You weren't ready. That's not my problem. And dip out. And she didn't do that. Now, I like to think it's because I was a USC student, but she's just a really nice person. (laughs) But she did teach me that. And that's something that I took with me the rest of my senior year and keep in mind i'm a senior i'm thinking i had it in the bag i was prepared like i can go on to the the world and just handle all this and then you don't you know you got humbled you got put in a real situation and uh, as kendrick said you need to sit down and, and be humble because uh it was one of the most embarrassing slash best lessons and growing pains that i had in, at the start of my career you know i'm still in school so I realized I have to take that approach for the rest of my senior year. So what that means is that when I was covering sports, I made sure that I had my voice. I made sure that I had everything ready and I made sure that I didn't put these athletes in a situation where they're wasting time. I don't want to waste anybody's time, not in my personal life, not in my professional life. I want to make sure that I respect everyone's time the way that they respect mine. So with that being said, I wanted to make sure I put athletes in the best light. That's the story isn't me. The story isn't how I ask you questions. The story isn't what I'm wearing. The story is you. And I'm just here to tell your story. That's the kind of reporter, that's the kind of storyteller I want to be. And I strive to be. And that's kind of how Sportsish really came together because I just wanted to be an outlet for athletes to tell their truth. I remember interviewing water polo players, soccer players, and this one soccer player, I remember I interviewed her and she had her hat on and you know she had a shadow across her face. And she had just finished practice. She was tired. It was like 8, 30 in the morning. And I wasn't going to tell her. But then I'm like, man, if she gives me a great interview, it's basically going to be unusable because you can't see her face. So I was like, you know, excuse me. I'm like, do you mind taking off your hat? Like you have a shadow. And I just want to, you know, make sure people see who we're talking to. And she's like, oh, yeah, thanks for telling me. She flipped her hat back. That was it. And just like building blocks like that. And again, it just goes back to what Lisa Leslie told me, like, you got one shot. That's it. It's one time. Every now and then you'll get a second chance. Yes, redemption is part of the American story. Everyone likes a good redemption story. You don't get that in media when you're talking to an athlete. You get one shot. Especially these players are walking out the tunnel. I get one opportunity to talk to you. If I'm not prepared with my questions, my camera recording, my microphone working, that's on me. That's not on you. So I can't put that on people. That's on me to be ready for. So everyone that's listening, that's striving to be uh, reporting, things like that, you just got to make sure you come correct. So... I did find my voice and I realized that in practice, I realized that in networking, I remember when I met Jim Hill, it's a whole nother story, but I was just going to pass by. And then I realized like, hold on, like he might not do this live shot so close to me again, or I may not be around him when he's doing it. Let me just go talk to him real quick. Again, that's a story for another day, but it's the idea that I had to seize the moment as they're in front of me and be prepared because, you know, you have to make sure that you take every opportunity. And luck, I believe people say, it's like opportunity met with preparation. And that was my moment right there. And I I messed it up. Now, Lisa Leslie saved me, but she shouldn't have had to save me. And if I was a professional reporter, she probably would have always had that stigma in her head. Like every time she saw me, oh, I, I talked to that girl before. She, girl, she forgot special cord. That's not what I want my reputation to be. That's not what I want my story to be and my nickname to be like <laughs> i i don't want you to think of that every time you think of me interviewing you so i was able to take that lesson and really strive to be better the first time around and i understand everybody make makes mistakes i understand that certain things are out of your control but you better make sure that you are focused on what you can control And take advantage of things you can control. And make sure those things are A1. Because if not, you're just going to mess yourself up. And you can't blame that on other people. So I appreciate her for for that day. And again, it it humbled me because I'm in my senior year. I'm thinking that I'm ready to go. And then I do a rookie, rookie mistake of not even hitting record. And so that moment not only humbled me, but it definitely brought me back to reality in the sense of you only get one senior year. And as ready as you think you are, you're not. So take this time, realize you're a student and continue to learn. And that's what I did. I became the multimedia director for our sports department at ATVN. I took on opportunities that allowed me to continue covering the Los Angeles Lakers, the Clippers, the Kings. I mean, there was days that I was literally at Staples Center for more than 12 hours because the Lakers had the day game and the Clippers had the night game and I would stay for both. And so those were days I really had to grind. And those are good memories to have because that's kind of where my creativity was sparked because I had so much downtime in between. So I would think about other projects and that's how Behind the Face Mask was born where I basically pitched an idea to interview USC football players about stuff off, off the field. And I was a sports anchor for our ATV and sports shows. So I kind of connected those together and that was my segment that belonged on my section of the show I really try to brand things as only I can do it you know as Drake said I'm the only one that could get the job done I don't got nobody that can cover for me like that's basically where I get my ambition from like I it's just me and yes yeah, a lot of work but guess what I'm the best to do it so you better come to me for it because you know the kind of stuff that I'm gonna produce and I remember interviewing Robert Woods, Nikhil Roby, Dion Bailey. All three of them ended up going to the NFL. Actually, no. Let, let's drop a little a little snippet. Do you have any pregame rituals like before you get on the field? Um, Nikhil said that he does everything with his right hand. I Thought that was kind of interesting. <laughs> but yeah, do you have any pregame rituals? Uh, nothing. Nothing like Nikhil with the with the one with all right hand. But me, I, I write an O on my my wrist tape for my sister Olivia, and um. I always say a prayer before I, before I hit the field. But other than that, it's just, you know, music and and same old, same old, yeah. So, Robert Woods behind the face mask. Stay locked in. Sports is next. Follow me on Twitter, at Heisman Woods. Get my followers up. He is now just at Robert Woods on Twitter, and he has no issues keeping his followers up. But that was me entering Robert Woods and I, we were both learning how to do this like interview and, and talk to the media, but it's dope to look back and, and see that we're all in this process of learning. I mean, as great as Robert Woods was during his time at, at USC, he still had to learn a lot more about football when he left. And now he's a star wideout for the Los Angeles Rams. He got to play at the Coliseum, which was dope. And now they're moving to SoFi. So, it just puts things into perspective and kind of gives it that full circle because you realize that as prepared as you are, you can always be more prepared. You're always learning. You know, some of the people that know me know that I'm the hardest on myself. They know that I look back at my career and I'm like, man, I haven't done anything. And they're just like, um, you work for the NFL. You work for the Dodgers. You've worked for Lakers TV. Like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, yeah, but It's not where I want to be, (laughs) you know, and it's it's that constant battle with yourself. But you always do have to remember the process and, and, and kind of where you're where you're going with everything. At the end of my shows with guests, I'm asking them, what's the best advice you ever heard? What's the best quote you ever heard? And this episode is paying tribute to that in the sense of some of the best advice I got was that from Lisa Leslie and just making sure I always stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And just the process of realizing that you're always going to learn, you're always going to have to continue to evolve. And realistically, with the way that media is going now, to a more digital, more podcast, more kind of non traditional television. You do have to evolve because people behind you—they're that's what they're learning in school. They're learning how to do this, while I'm learning it on my own. So you just have to always make sure that you're ready. So that's one of the greatest lessons that I got from Lisa Leslie. And Lisa Leslie, if you happen to come across Sportsish and you come across this episode, I just want to say thank you <laughs> for making me a better reporter, making me a better professional. Uh, I really do appreciate that from you. And For all I know, you don't even remember that conversation or that situation, but that's just, that just speaks to how people can impact your life, you know? And so she's definitely one that I look up to everything she's ever done uh, in the league for women's sports and what she continues to do, especially on television. It just, it's one of the role models that I kind of look up to, especially because I had a story that made me directly better. So there it is. Thank you everyone for listening to Sportsish. I'm your host Alisa Hernandez. You can follow me on Twitter at eHernandezTV and on Instagram at Hernandez underscore LA. Thank you again to everyone for all the love that you guys gave Sportsish in our first couple episodes it means a lot to have everyone reach out comment show me you guys subscribe it means everything to me I'm filled with so much joy and I'm so excited to continue this going you know we have a new episode every week and next week I will have a guest so make sure you guys tune into that now before I get out of here though there's two things that I really do have to say that had nothing to do with the uh, industry and kind of what I went through, but I think are important for me to say. And if anyone knows me, they know that I just, I can't hold stuff in. If it's something bothers me, I got to get it out. So the first one is let Shakari run. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Because one thing that really bothered me about that story was that it was a reporter that told her that her biological mother had passed away and she had to take that hit. And then she went out and made history. And, look, I get it. Some people are like, look, you're in track. You're supposed to know the rules. I get all that. There's also a problem with the rules. And the fact that three years from now, this might not even be a rule anymore. And she's going to miss that on one of the biggest opportunities of her life because the Olympics haven't caught up to the modern day athlete. And for her to go out, take full responsibility, let people know that she made a mistake And the fact that she just said, like, I knew that it was wrong, but I still did it. Like, I'm human. And she is. And the truth of the matter is, like, Michael Phelps did it, too. So, (laughs) uh, I'm just saying, I I want her to run. She deserves to run. And, man, I remember when she won her race. I was was lit. Like, I was like, let's go. Like, first of all, her nails were popping. Her nails were fire. And everything about her spoke to me in a way that I was like, I want her to win and for her to overcome her own adversity. Like I don't know her story, but I'm interested to know her story. And I think that's, that's bigger than what she did. It's like who she is as a brand, who she is as a person makes me want to watch track and field more. You know, and isn't that the point? But look, this isn't a sports debate show. I just had to get that off my chest because she deserves to run. She a whole beast. She got whole superpowers because to run that fast to carry that weight of her mom passing away to have it be told by a complete stranger and to go out there and perform on the level that she performed that's a superpower so all love and respect to her it's a wrong that probably won't be made right but she said it best she said i'm sorry i can't be all olympic champ this year but i promise i'll be your world champ next year shakari richardson shout out to you and honestly when the next round of olympics comes through I'm going to be rooting for her. I want her to run. I want her to win. I'm saying it for the record now uh, that I am a fan. And I want to see her popping nails, holding that gold medal. And the second one is uh, if the NCAA reinstates Reggie Bush 2005 status, Reggie Bush will reclaim his 2005 Heisman Trophy. The number five will once again be retired at the Coliseum and USC will get back 14 wins the 2005 BCS National Championship trophy and the Orange Bowl trophy. So look, just, just make things right. Give Reggie Bush the highs and back. Play the music. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger.